Welcome to Fireside with VoxGig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of VoxGig.com, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting, and attending. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And finally, before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to simplecast.com, first and last word in podcasts, who have kindly come on board as our first ever sponsor. In this podcast, I talk to Willie Nickel, who helps people overcome stage fright and the fear of public speaking by applying his coaching skills to determine the underlying issues. He does this in concert with another coach, they partner up, who teaches you how to actually deliver the talk. I think this is a wonderful combination. Willie had an earlier career as a police officer and using those skills, the skills to understand people, he's applied them to the task of public speaking and understanding how to read your audience. These are one of the many topics that we discuss. And I think you'll find this one particularly interesting, particularly given Willie's background and his unique perspective on how we deal with speaking remotely and how we deal with moving forward from stage fright. Willie, thank you so much for coming on the Fireside with Box Gig podcast. It is great to have you here today on this rather miserable rainy February. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Richard, and it's a great pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So you have a really fascinating background, but maybe let's start focusing on the public speaking stuff first. You coach people, you do help them get over this fear of public speaking. And we were just discussing this uh, earlier, the technical sides of getting up on stage or getting in front of a Zoom call these days are easy enough to learn, but some people just can never get over that fear. They can never get past that. And you, you help people in a number of different ways, don't you? That's correct, Richard. Research online shows that 75% of the population has some degree of apprehension over speaking in public. That can range from mild anxiety to sheer terror, the shaking hands, the palpitations, sweaty palms, dry mouth, and so on. So it's a, it's a very common thing. But increasingly, with the coronavirus situation where people are having to present online, it can be problematic. So there are a number of ways we can look at what the problem is and resolve it. People who have a fear of public speaking, do they find it easier to do it online? Has that helped or has it made it worse? I believe that it's probably easier insofar as you're not physically in front of people. Generally speaking, we're only getting a headshot. So you don't have to worry about what the rest of your body's doing. But the basic apprehensions still apply. We ask ourselves questions such as, my goodness, what if it doesn't work? What if my address is useless? If I can't get my point across? Yeah. If the audience don't like what I'm saying and so on. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the underlying psychological thing, isn't it, about public speaking? You've done public speaking in your career. A very interesting career, which we should, <laughs> we should get to later. Is it something you've overcome yourself? I've had guests on who claim that they've, they were born to, to speak in public and they, they just jumped on stage. 
uh, almost by accident. But most people say that it's something they had to learn and the fear thing was something they had to overcome. Absolutely. Without being impolite, I think anyone who says they just jumped on it and were immediately comfortable and delivered in a polished fashion is possibly stretching the truth a bit. Maybe just a bit. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to call them bending the truth, but even the greatest public speakers didn't start out that way. It took practice, it took time, it took energy and effort. And a lot of people don't get that concept. It was like riding a bike, you probably fell off a few times. But getting proficient at, at public speaking, it's very similar to riding a bike. The more you do it, the easier it becomes, the more confident you become. So if you're nervous to start with, don't worry about it. It's perfectly natural. But plug away at it. hands I can give that would help in that endeavor. Just practice, practice, practice. Some people are, are nervous and they overcome it. My personal experience is one of getting increasingly used to doing public speaking over the years. The fear never quite goes away, but you get used to it. You, you, it becomes manageable. For some people, it's a, it's a real blocker, isn't it? It's kind of a real psychological blocker. They need additional help. They need things like the, the hypnotherapy that you do to make it possible. Very much so. But we can encapsulate fear of anything. Fear of flying. I have clients who come with a fear of flying. Fear of spiders. Fear of going to the dentist. And all it is is an apprehension you built up in your mind that scares you. Now, fear can be translated into stress, nerves, etc., etc. And I won't go into too much detail about the old fight or flight syndrome. When we're in a certain stressful situation, we freeze. We think, well, we run away. We try and fight it. And all of these fears can be overcome when we get our head around it. And there are tips and hints and techniques to make that possible. It is the fight or flight thing, isn't it? You're on stage or even before a Zoom call. And we shouldn't diminish the difficulties of giving a Zoom presentation if public speaking is something that makes you break out in a sweat. It's like this, it's this innate animal response, isn't it? Have you helped people through the hypnotherapy, for example, get over that? And what's the process? If I was to come to you and I, and I said, I can't, I just, I have my boss tell me to go on stage. I just can't do it. I need help. Exactly. Hypnotherapy is one, one technique. Um, I think probably what I would do initially is we'd, we'd have a chat about what the particular problems were. Some reassuring tips are that you do not come across as nervous to the audience as you feel inside. Because I've had numerous clients I've helped and they have had feedback from the audience. That was great. What a presentation. And all the time they were shaking inside. So you don't come across generally as nervous as you feel. And nerves can be a benefit. They keep you in your toes. They keep you focused. It's only when it gets beyond that and you can't deliver because the nerves are overwhelming that interventions need to be done. So initially we'd have a chat about it. And if it required an intervention like hypnotherapy, by all means, it's very useful for overcoming fears of all sorts of things. It is important to I mean, I, I use the, the fear as a sort of, <laughs> it powers me up, right? It gives you, it gives you energy on stage. That level is, is good. You, you're not, we're not looking to get rid of it completely. We're, we're trying to cha- channel it into something useful. Very much so. I, I read somewhere that Bruce Springsteen, one of the biggest rock stars of all time, yeah. gets nervous before he goes on stage, even at this stage of his career. But he equates the nerves to excitement because he's excited 
to go on stage and play in front of whatever number of people it is. So nerves can be translated into a bit of excitement anticipation. And instead of being afraid of the nerves, use the nerves to boost your performance, if you like. Say, I'm excited to deliver this presentation and I'm going to do it in a professional manner. I'm going to absolutely nail this and change the nerves to excitement to delivery. It's something you have to learn to live with, isn't it? And if you can, then it changes from a negative to a positive. Something that takes a bit of practice. Have you found with all of this pandemic stuff going on and the move to going online, have you personally, in, it, in the opportunities you've had for public speaking, have you found that to be more difficult than speaking to a live audience or easier? I really haven't noticed much difference, to tell you the truth. We touched on earlier about my interesting background. I was a police officer for 31 years and was used to speaking to people in public and in private because that was part of my job. Yeah. A further part of my job was delivering training at one point where I had to talk to, shall we say, 30 grumpy police officers about a topic which was not interesting and extremely boring. I'd say they were a tough audience. I still do career coaching for retiring police officers, and they had a tough audience. Yeah, they've seen everything, I'm sure. <laughs> they've seen everything, and um, they can smell bullshit a mile away. So yeah, yeah. We in top form. But something that can be overcome, it does take practice. It does take um, you know repetition. One tip I give people is, before you do anything, give your presentation in front of a trusted advisor. Like maybe your wife, maybe your best buddy, and they can get some constructive feedback. Record yourself, video yourself, and you'll pick up things that you possibly want to emphasize and possibly get rid of, certain hand gestures, whatever. And keep doing this until you become comfortable with it. So that when you do get up on, not on stage now, in front of your Zoom audience, you've already gone through the process. You've kind of visualized your own head how it's going to go. And that practice and that preparation will stand you very good stead. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Although I, I would um, I would change it slightly to say, <laughs> don't involve your spouse in it because that's, <laughs> that's not a recipe for, for harmony. But get a mate involved. Yeah. I have a group of mates and we do it for each other, right? So... One of them will phone me up or send me an email and say, you know, I have to give this presentation. Do you mind if I give it to you? You know, it's 20 minutes long, whatever. Hop on Zoom and he does his bits and I, I tear it to pieces. It's great fun. Uh, and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with a mate, right? Because then yeah. it has to be a good relationship, right? Because you've got to be able to take it because the whole point of doing it with a mate is that they will go to town. Quite so constructive feedback is what you're looking for. You're pretty right. Possibly your, your better half isn't there. The ideal part to do this with, but you have to be some. It has to be someone you trust implicitly to give you constructive feedback and not just slag you off. Yeah, but who has your best interests at heart, so won't let you make a fool of yourself. I mean, if you've if you've got something wrong or something that's really not working, that you you want them to tell you. Absolutely. I mean, forewarned is forearmed, as it were. If you have an irritating, you know, body language or you have an irritating delivery, a training course I was on with my friend, the collaborator, who's, who's a, he's a public speaking coach. He identified quite quickly that I used the word so quite a lot. So this, so uh, that, yeah. and so the next thing, which I was totally unaware of. And the, the training session was, was a videoed and recorded. And I, so I was able to see where I was making the mistakes. Huh. It's a yes. very useful tool. Yeah. Do you find that watching yourself on video makes your skin crawl? I have. I find it very difficult. 
I have a face for radio. <laughs> it can be sometimes disconcerting to record yourself and then play it back. But I put videos up in my uh, LinkedIn profile and things like that. And again, it's just be natural, be yourself, don't modify your voice, don't be too posh or whatever, and just say what you want to say and become comfortable in doing that. Let's talk about the vlogging thing that you do. <laughs> well, I find that very interesting. And uh, I'm a techie, but you're putting me up to it now because um, I, I don't do anything like that. Is it as a direct result of the pandemic, uh, exploring new ways to reach your audience? Just walk us through the process of doing it. And, and you have a collaborator, right? My collaborator is an IT professional. He's his own IT business. He's a one-man band and he helps other SMEs with anything to do with IT, computers, blah, blah. And I met him through networking. We got on well. And I approached him to help with an IT problem. And I don't know how it evolved, but um, we decided we'd do a weekly vlog. On alternate weeks, I would ask him an IT-related question. And the, uh, the next week, he would ask me a coaching question. And funnily enough, a very recent vlog was about fear of public speaking. Ah, very good. Well, we put the link into that in the yeah, show notes. I, I, will, I will give you the link for that. And we tried to make it amusing, engaging, but at the same time informative so that the audience gets some value from it, some tips and hints, information, whatever. And also from a business point of view, raising our own visibility and credibility. Yeah, it's definitely something I'd like to try. You've, um, like I said, you kind of put me up to it, so. Should, I should definitely give it a go. And how do you find the uh, the technical side of it? I mean, does does your friend, he, he obviously sorts that out. You you just turn up and record. He sorts all the techie stuff out. Yeah. My contribution is probably reviewing the transcript of what we've said and then approving the final product. But we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's meant to be funny, amusing. We get a laugh out of it. And hopefully the audience does too. It's probably the key to success, isn't it? I mean, that applies to public speaking in general. Is, is try to have try to have a bit of fun. Exactly. Don't take it too seriously. Most areas of life, I mean, that I follow a particular football team and I know the manager says, look, guys, go and enjoy yourself. When there's a lot of pressure on you in a cup game or there's a lot of money riding in the game or whatever, try and enjoy your public speaking. Uh, make it enjoyable because whatever job you're doing or whatever chore you're having to do, if you don't enjoy it, it's just tedious. It becomes a pain. Yeah. And I think you have to kind of decide to enjoy it as well. I mean, if you're if you're getting over this this hump of the fear and trying to avoid it, if you can get past that, I, I mean, I've certainly found I don't know if you have really, but especially when you're speaking to a live audience and it's going well, it's great. You get this energy. You get all these positive energy from the people. Absolutely. Even online, people might find it difficult to get their head around this. There is an energy exchange, even when you're online talking to people on a Zoom call or in a Zoom room, as it were, you can almost sense, you know, people who are enjoying themselves, people who are not enjoying themselves, people who are nervous, people who are relaxed. And you probably gravitate more to the people who are enjoying themselves and are more relaxed. Or you might feel sorry for the ones who aren't, but you can still feel it even in an online environment. I find that difficult, I have to say. I mean, you you can sort of tell. You pay careful attention to the people on the screen is there a way to detect that? I was once told that all human com- communication falls into three categories. Mm. What you see, how you see it, and what you're doing when you're saying it. So you've got your content, your tone, volume, etc., and your body language. And the most important of the three is body language, which is obviously 
drastically curtailed if you're in a Zoom environment. You can't yeah. body of very limited extent. And yes, I do watch people and I can sense some people are nervous, as you can too, or they're distracted or they're not having fun. And the way things are just now, Richard, having fun is, is pretty important. Oh, yeah, there's not much to be had, is there? <laughs> You've got to find it anywhere you can. Absolutely. Um, I, I, funny enough, at the end of our vlogs, David and I, my collaborator, we always say, stay safe, stay well, and have some fun. We're trying to get, you know, make a point, but in a kind of nice, gentle, caring way. Maybe your, your previous work as a police officer helps there a little bit in terms of reading people. That must be one of the important skills you kind of pick up over the years. Uh, very much so. Um, it wasn't until I started coaching some three years ago that I belatedly realized that a lot of the skills I had developed over my 31 years in policing were actually transferable to the coaching environment. Because I did come across people who were frightened. I did come across people who didn't want to talk to me. I did come across people who, for whatever reason, did not want to engage. And I had to develop that skill set, which has been absolutely invaluable in my coaching career. Yeah, because it kind of goes to the heart of, of connecting with people, doesn't it? I can understand that the need to do public speaking as a police officer, if you're training, you're a senior police officer and you're training others, you're transferring knowledge, that type of stuff. So you, you're in these training seminars, there's 30 other officers there, whatever. I can get my head around that, but you must have had other public speaking experiences or, or need to do public speaking as a police officer before the training. The only advantage from my point of view of the training was they had to sit there and listen to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in my subsequent career in uh, corporate security, I had to deliver messages, training, whatever. And the audience there, okay, they had to be there, but there wasn't, I didn't quite the same amount of power or authority, shall we say. So I probably amended my public speaking delivery slightly. When you're obliged through your work or your business to deliver a message in whatever format it is, there is a bit of pressure on you. But the audience will relate to people who know their subject, who are relaxed, who are engaged, and who can get their message across in a friendly, informative manner that they can buy into. And that's a skill you can develop once you're over your fear, of course. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the important thing to remember. It, it comes out with so many people that I talk to who are uh, either like yourself, more a generalist life coach versus uh, someone who specifically coaches public speaking. That once you get over the, the mental hiccup, shall we say, of the, the fear, once you get up on stage, uh, it, it's a skill like riding a bicycle or driving a car, right? They're difficult. They seem impossible initially. But once you build it into your bones, it's definitely something you can learn. Very much so. Um, I have an ambition, if you like, to be in a TED Talk. That's on my, my list. Oh, of, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, let, let us know. We'll come. We'll come if we can. <laughs> I watch quite a few TED Talks. And just watch them. You get some tips and hints. It's great. Um, one of my friends when I was in the Professional Speaking Association in Scotland, a lady who has a very interesting background, was in a TED Talk during my time there. And 10 minutes, and I, I asked her, are you nervous? And she said, of course I'm nervous. I'm going to be standing in front of 2,000 people in an auditorium. But such was her mindset. She absolutely nailed it. 
It was a great presentation and got great feedback. Albeit she she was very well versed, very well practiced, but she was nervous. Yeah. And we had a little chat about that. The nerves thing, absolutely overcomable, if I can use that word. The delivery just takes practice, practice. And I have a collaborator, a friend of mine, who is a much more proficient public speaking coach than I am. He leaves the nerves bit to me, though. <laughs> yeah. It must be the harder problem to solve, I think. For me, it's not. <laughs> if I can be modest. It's not, <laughs> it's not for a personal level, and it's not difficult for me to help people. Uh, my friend Kyle has great skills in providing you with insights, training, education about how to become a better public speaker. And he's helped me, and I, I am a better public speaker because of it. Um, so these are the two sides to the coin. I sort out the P-match nerves. He polishes up the delivery. So between us, we get the, the client to where they want to be. Now you're kind of a dream team. A dream team, quite so. <laughs> so this client becomes proficient, relaxed. Everything gets better, and it's a win-win for everyone all around. Let's wrap up with one final question. I'm kind of interested to hear, before the pandemic, if I needed public speaking help and I came across yourself, I, we, I mean, we probably would have met for a coffee. We certainly would have met in person, right, to do the main body of the coaching work, I'm sure. Have you now moved to completely remote coaching? And is that as effective? Is it different? I mean, I'm just very curious to understand if, if the remote aspect means that the coaching can be as effective or how you, how you approach that problem. Well, yes. Um, prior to lockdown, yeah, we would have met for a coffee, had a nice chat face-to-face. That uh, avenue has been blocked for us for, well, nearly a year now. So by force of circumstances, I had to go online. And I'd done online coaching before, but it was certainly a small part of my, my business, yeah. Yeah. which then had to become the main part of my business. It's like pros and cons. I probably prefer face-to-face where I get that sense of where we are, um, the energy exchange, and I can, I, can, I can watch you more closely, the body language. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm sure that helps. It does help enormously. But by the same token, the advantages of being online are many and varied also because there's no geographical distance between us. There's no traveling involved. There's no associated expense, and I'm able to reach more people. I talk to people in America and Canada, and the only chance we have there is the time difference, so that I'm not in the middle of the night and they're not in the middle of the night, whatever. From a personal point of view, and other coaches might uh, disagree with me, I have found it probably just as effective to deliver my coaching online as it is face-to-face. It's like apples and pears, swings and roundabouts. I was a wee bit challenged when I did hypnotherapy online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, does that work? I was a wee bit apprehensive. Would that work or would it not? And to my surprise and delight, yes, it works just as effectively. You have a very calming voice anyway. so I think that <laughs> It wasn't always this way. <laughs> I can listen to it all day. Thank you. Sorry, that's, that's cheap flattery, I know. I find it very relaxing. That is a big bonus when you're doing hypnotherapy is your voice. Sure. I don't particularly have a hypnotherapy voice. This is just the way I talk. Willie, thank you so much for coming online and talking to me. You have a really interesting perspective on this stuff. A lot of our guests are very embedded in the technology industry. And there's a certain tunnel vision, certain specific perspective that people in one industry have. It's really interesting to talk to someone who has had a completely different life experience. 
totally different perspectives on the nature of public speaking and how to go about it. Thank you so much. Richard, you're very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. And let's hope for a better 2021. Very much so. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with VoxGig podcast. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgig.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, and one you can also learn. Visit voxgig.com slash speakers to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email me, richard at voxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check out our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this podcast possible. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.